Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Menyahari! We scream in midair. We jump from a tree into a pool. We change ourselves into the fish dimension. Everybody swims here under still pool cops on a Saturday, slapping the water with bare hands. It's fine once you're in. Is it cold? Is it sharp? I stood looking down through beech trees. When I threw a stone, I could count five before the splash. Quite a big splash in your case. Welcome back to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that is curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. Presented by me, Tim Wright, and you, Lloyd Shepard. I am Lloyd Shepard, and I do like to make a splash. Uh, And we are doing uh, Alice Oswald's magnificent long poem, Dart. Yes, a three-year project, apparently. Its richly textured narrative encompasses a range of voices, from poachers and milk workers to swimmers and canoeists, from the human and historic to the natural and mythic, exploding the contained forms of her early poems into a free-flowing and garrulous work. Yes, I was going to say, she obviously didn't write that. That's from the Poetry Archive. Yeah, okay. Uh, it follows the source of the dart from the uh, up on Dartmoor, from yep. the West Dart, all the way down to Dartmouth, which I learned in the last episode is not actually an estuary. It's a rear. It's a rear. In the first episode, we've, we followed the river down from Dartmoor down to Totnes. Yes. Uh, and well, we didn't get as far as that. We didn't get, sorry, we, we, we followed the river we down. We didn't get as far as that because we got distracted by a steam train. We did get distracted by a steam train, magnificently distracted by a steam train, uh, which did, we did get off the train at Totnes, I think. We did, but then we went back. Then we went back up. Uh, we, well, because you, 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 you bought me a return ticket. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? <laughs> uh, so we're going back to Buckfast. Buckfast, yes, and, just north of Totnes. Yeah, which is mentioned in the poem. Yes. But we didn't just go on a holiday here, listener. No. We did follow We were the working. River. We were working. HMRC, are you listening? We were working. <laughs> following <laughs> this amazing poem. 
and all the references to see, as usual, whether it's being specific about its dates and locations. Yeah. So this poem was written in 2000... And, no, published, sorry. Published in 2002. 2002. And as you just said, presumably it was written between 1999 and 2002. Yeah, so we're going to have to talk about the dates and what was going on during that period, yeah. I think. And it mentions a number of places that we've had to check off and make sure they're really there. There we are. Um, <laughs> well, Buckfast Abbey, it's really there. I know. You can't trust a poet. <laughs> Three hayfields above Buckfast, where annual meadow grasshoppers flower and fly to the tune of ribbed stalks rubbed. Will you swim down and attend this foundry for sounds, this jabber of pigeon river, drilling these rhythmic cells and trails of scales? Will you translate for me, blunt, blink, glint? Ooh. I could show you a place it shallows over rocks where the salmon flip out sometimes right onto the stones, or they used to, and you could catch them barehanded. Now listen to this. I was lugging this fish the size of myself, taking the shortcut through the abbey and up. Picture it. Up comes a monk and imagine. He gives me a suitcase to smuggle it out past the bailiff. Smuggle it under the threshold of listening into the arc of the soul where the invisible, clear first water, the real dart, writhes like a black fire, smelling of fish and soil, and traces a red leaf flood mark, and catches a drift of placer gold in her cracks. So we're sitting, rather unexpectedly for me, in a physic garden. It's a physic garden. With our backs to the river. I you can just hear it in the background. Hear the river behind us. Yeah. Looking at a uh, extraordinarily well-kept religious building with a very high tower. Gothic windows and arches everywhere. Actually, Norman arches as well. We're a mixture of arches. Buckfast Abbey. Buckfast Abbey. You've it's a me. stunner, isn't it? It's a stunner. I don't know. It's, 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 uh, it is a monastic institution. Unlike the monastic institution we visited uh, on our In Pursuit of Spring adventure at Glastonbury Abbey, which is a ruin, mm. this is very much not a ruin. It's very, very well kept. We've been inside. It's incredibly spruce. looks brand new almost. It really does. It's, it's like an abbey must have looked like when it was first exactly. built kind of thing. And the physic garden next door, which is where the monks would have grown all their herbs. I'm looking at a hoary plantain, Tim. Don't talk to me like that. Buckfast Abbey, what do you know? I know absolutely nothing apart from, is it Buckfast Tonic that you can you can buy? Well, why do I you know about that? I did buy some Buckfast that? Tonic once. Well, I hope you didn't, because the police would be very worried about you. It's got booze in it or something, isn't it? Oh, yes, it's tonic wine. Yeah. Well, this is from December 2013. Monks in Devon say it is not fair to blame their Buckfast Tonic wine for crime in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> the former Strathclyde police in Scotland linked it to nearly 6,500 crime reports in the last three years. Is it very boozy then? And then in his first interview on the subject, Abbot David Charlesworth of Buckfirst Abbey says the monastery's tonic wine is not made to be abused, Lloyd. No. It's, it's been, a tonic wine. It's been brewing it for nearly 100 it's years. It's a pick-me-up. 
And you know that... The other thing I would say, I'm just looking up in the sky away. Sorry, I inter- yeah. interrupt you. I've seen our first seagulls as we're going down the river. Oh, very which is good. quite interesting, isn't it? You're a man of nature, aren't you? Not really. Sorry. How many buck you. fasts have you had already today? No, I always, <laughs> I always start the day with a buck fast. Well, I'm telling you that Abbot David says three small glasses a day for good health and lively blood. Well, yeah, but what's a small glass? In, <laughs> in Scotland. In, in Scotland. Scotland, it's half pint. <laughs> it annoys me to think that these problems, all the social deprivation of an area of Scotland, is being put on our doorstep. That's not fair. It, it annoys him, does it? <laughs> he does. I don't want Buckfast Abbey to be associated with broken bottles and drunks. We'll stop making the tonic wine then. They've also got a pizzeria here. They have got a bit of San Benedetto's, because <laughs> it is a Benedictine monastery, right? They're on the make, I, mate. I think that's rather blasphemous, don't you? No, I think San it's... Benedetto's p- pizzeria. I think the Benedictines have always been quite entrepreneurial. Have they? Is that their, that their thing? Yeah. I like the Cistercians. They're they like just hippies. Exactly. Yeah. These people do business. So there was a Cistercian Abbey the other side of the river. Do you know it goes back to the time of King Canute? What this Abbey does? The old one. The other one on the other side? Yeah. Okay, There's been an Abbey here since 1018. Wow. Well, I can tell you how old this Abbey was. Basically what happened was a bunch of Franco-German monks. That sounds like a... <laughs> Like a death squad or something. Then they turned <laughs> the Franco-German monks. Honestly, they turfed up here in yeah. early 1900s. Okay. And said, we've had a vision. Oh, really? Yeah. And the, the, so there wasn't an abbey on this site until then? No. So it's that new? Well, it was, it, there was a wreck of one, and it was reinstated but in... The 19- wreck's on the other side of the river. Well, okay, this is, this is built new. Benedictine and a Cistercian. Yeah, it was formally reinstated, it says here, so there must have been something there must before. There something here, yeah as an abbey in 1902 right. the leader of the group was a guy called Boniface Natter <laughs> or Natter yeah who died at sea in 1906 well wow. and then the new abbot Anscar Vonier he pledged to fulfill Natter's dying wish namely to rebuild the abbey how do you do when you're dying at sea how, how do you communicate your last wish it's interesting that one building work continued throughout the I'm getting this from the buckfirst.org.uk site by the way listener yeah um if you want the full links you need to support us on patreon always quick, be selling quick there's a benedictine in you thank you very much yeah a free bottle of bucky <laughs> with every sub no no not no, really isn't. not no, really it's not, very bad for you we're not going to be the spread the wine crime no the wine crime the work continued during the first world war and because two-thirds of the monks were german they were prohibited from leaving the monastery during the war so while, basically b- while pri- building it. Basically a prisoner of war camp during the war. No wonder it's quite big. <laughs> they were bored. <laughs> built by Germans. Built, by, built to last. Bloody Germans. It does have a Germanic look about it, actually, doesn't it? It's got a massive organ. I was very impressed by the organ. organ. It's got it's every pipe going, plus trumpets. That's, Amazing. Now you've said the Germans a bit, I can kind of get that though, because you can see them going to town on that, can't you? From little tiny whistle pipes up to big the, bass the ones. The war's going to go on at least another year. Let's add some more pipes. <laughs> it, I'm, I'm quite keen to come to a recital here. I must yeah, blow definitely. your mind, the sound in there. Unbelievable. Yeah, bit of bark. Now, just to refer back to Alice Oswald and the actual book. Yes. Although it's great that the book's taking to us this place, I yeah. feel. And it's it really is on lovely. the river. It, it, we, and it is mentioned in the book. Yeah. But you're not allowed on the river. There's no public no, it's footpath. it's fenced off, isn't it? 
Yeah. We walked down hoping to find a footpath, but there's a, uh, a farm down there with a big private keep-off yeah. signs. So, so how come Alice Oswald got on the river then, did she? she probably or had not? Di- she probably had dispensation from the monks, didn't she? You reckon? Well, she probably did her research before she left and, yeah. uh, and said, I'm can, I, can no. someone take me down the river? I'm interested to know whether she's walked... All the way. All the way. I don't or think... had to take a detour. She never seems to claim that. She doesn't. And in fact, in the piece we just read... It's a conversation with a poacher yeah. who's come up from the river he's and met co- a monk. Yeah. He's not supposed to be there, right? So she's just talked to someone in a pub, isn't she? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which so is the kind of research we can get behind. So she it? might, she might exactly, <laughs> she might never even bother being here. Yeah, she just sat in the pub, just did it all from oh, topness. That's the kind of poet I like. Yeah, yeah. Exhausted almost to a sit-still, letting the water gnats gather, for I am no longer able to walk except on a slope, I inch into the weir's workplace. Pace, volume, light, day shift, night shift, water being spooled over. Now my head is about to slide, furl up my eyes, give in to the crash of surrendering river flesh falling. I come to in the sea, I dream at the foot of the weir, out here asleep, when the level fills and fills and covers the footpath, the stones go down, the little mounds of sand and sticks go down, the slatted walkway sways in flood, canoes glide among trees, trees wade, bangles of brash on branches, it fills, it rains, the moon spreads out, floating above its sediment. We're right where she's talking about. Yes, dreaming by the weir. We are looking at Totnes Weir, Totnes Hydro Weir, no less. Well, that sound is two giant Archimedes screws, so the water, slushing the water through and the creating river comes energy. Down, the water comes down from the moor and it goes down through the screws and powers the hydro, a little hydroelectric station. It's cool, isn't it? And then where we're sitting is actually, so we're now in the sea, technically speaking. Yep. And you can hear for the first time, I think listener gulls because there are lots of gulls sitting on the on an islet in the in the river there's brown cows across the way yeah Jan we're sitting on a very ancient bench which has only got one functioning bar so we're sitting rather precariously this is part of the dark bench web this one it's part of the dark bench so web we can't tell you listener where it is unless you subscribe to patreon <sighs> There's only one rule about dark bench you get web. access to the full bench map. And that's you have to sit down. Uh, and we've also got a robin who's hanging around, waiting for us to give him some food. Very tame. Right by our feet. It's all very bucolic. It's beautiful, isn't it? But it wasn't very bucolic to get here, was it? No, because we parked by the station. You had quite a lot of trouble with the Apcoa Connect parking app. <sighs> and then we had to walk round a rather weirdly creepy decrepit looking post-industrial site which was the old dairy right dairy crest bottling factory right so uh, for milk factory which featured in the poem the poem came out in 2002 
So um, yes, and she's so it's twenty just over twenty years ago. Yes, I wake wide in a swim of seagulls, scavengers, monomaniac, mad rubbish pickers, mating blatantly, screaming and slouch off, scumming and flashing and hatching flies, to the milk factory, yeah. staring at routine things. Says I'm in a rationalised setup, a super plant. Everything's stainless and risk can be spun off by centrifugal motion, blood, excrement, fecal matter from the farms. Have you forgotten the force that orders the world's fields and sets all cities in their sights? This nomad pulling the sun and moon, placeless in all places, born with her stones, with her circular bird voice carrying everywhere her quarters. I'm in milk, 600 million gallons a week. So, so that's one of the voices of the poem, is a, is a dairy worker. So it's an old dairy crest building took lots of pictures there yeah and now it's, it's right next to Tottenham's railway station it's, in fact it's on it's it basically in the car park it is yeah. and it's become very popular with local teenagers to right. break I'm in already and, worried about the phrase and, yeah. and doing urban exploration and filming <laughs> it on their phones and putting it on YouTube okay doing various sort of have you watched some of these then I have watched a few, but they have stopped since one of the teenagers fell through a ceiling and died. Oh. And also it's been revealed that the site is full of asbestos. Oh, is that why they can't take it down? Well, I think deconstruct... No, now, that's the other thing. The other thing about this... So, 2002, this poem's written. Yeah. This factory is closed down in 2007. It only lasts another five years. Yeah. And then it, they sold it for a pound to the Totnes Community Development Society, I think, or the council, with an idea that they were going to start a new arts community centre called Atmos Totnes. Atmos. Atmos Totnes. <laughs> Big plans for performance, that teach kids access to performance arts, technologies, and all that kind of stuff. All this, I've scared the seagulls. And guess what? Basically, only recently... A derelict dairy part in Totnes, getting this from devonlive.com, has a new owner to the dismay of a group fighting to turn the site into a community development. It was recently discovered that Fast Globe Limited, an Essex-based sealants company, have acquired the site despite the group's long-term plans. The council sold it to a sealant So they're going to, it's still going to be used for industrial use? Well, that's the worry, isn't it? With pollutants into the yeah. water. So yeah, chuck it all in the river. Well, I think there's a massive fight here to keep the dark clean yeah. going on. So you don't want a sealant company opening a no, because they, right on the river. That's it. And also, you know, this is one of the crucial breeding grounds for salmon and trout and eels in the UK. Yeah. And the numbers are just flatlining, and partly because of the pollution yeah. in the waters. And, and the dark's pretty clean, I think but uh, only because of a lot of local activism. But this milk factory is a bit of a symbol, I think, of decline yeah. and a failure to refurbish in an ecological way. So I'm afraid the poem is a bit out of date in that, yeah. in that yeah, sense. It's not in a good be way. Quite, it needs refreshing, actually. Yeah. What you need to do, and like, like a river that keeps moving... Yeah. The poem needs to keep moving. She should update it every year. Yeah, she needs to do it every year. It could grow and grow and grow. Yeah, that every location she just does a little bit. You should suggest it to her. 
It's a good idea. We could we could send us some suggested addendums in verse. Yeah, I think that's. I think two old white blokes giving yeah. her advice on yeah. how to do the poem better. Very important. Exa- uh, exactly what's needed. Oh, I wouldn't start from here. Yeah. What cowboy put this stanza in? Yeah, the dairy's no longer there. Yeah, what's pointless? The council about it. have left the scar. Yeah. The company from Essex is on its way. Where's the Where's the voice of the? Why teen- don't you turn it into a spa? There you go. You're a poet and you didn't yeah. know it. There you go. Nice. Well, poetry is impossible. I think that <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's not poetry and unless it's impossible and you have to kind of get through some major obstruction every time you sit down to write a poem. And I'm particularly interested anyway in the performance of poetry because I think poetry becomes something quite different when there's a living living person speaking it. And as with theatre, you need a certain amount of control of your space in order to be able to communicate that well. I mean, I'm often asked, will I recite Dart next to the Dart? And how do you recite a poem about a river with the river doing it much better (laughs) beside you? This poem was published in 2002. Yes, it was. Now, we've done 2002 before because Gwendolyn Riley's Cold Water was published in 2002. Oh, okay. So you can't use the same dates and locations and references that you used in the last podcast. But I can't remember what I used. Okay, so I can tell you. Okay. Did Did you check? Of course I did. Very good. I thought, we don't, listeners don't want to Tell me what I'm not allowed to mention. You're not allowed to mention Morrissey. (laughs) Wasn't going to. You're not allowed to mention a series of horrific murders. Oh, I was going to mention those. You're not allowed to mention the Golden Jubilee. Wasn't going to mention that. Or the death of the Queen Mother and Princess Margaret. Was going to mention that. <laughs> You're not definitely not allowed to mention 24-hour party people because you went on quite a lot. I about did. I that. wasn't going to mention that. Pop Idol, no. Joe Strummer. I was going to mention Joe Strummer. Entwistle, Entwistle. No. Okay. You are not allowed to mention Blue and Daniel Beddingfield. <laughs> And you're not allowed to mention 28 Days Later, Dirty Pretty Things, or Morvan Keller. Okay. Over to you. <laughs> okay. Well, there was one thing that I thought was interesting that, that launched this year yeah. that is kind of related to the DART. Mm-hmm. The Envysat Environmental Satellite launched. Oh, what's that? On March the 1st. Well, it's a satellite that its only purpose is to track environmental change. Ah. So uh, I thought that was relevant to well, uh, to the dark. I've got some environmental thing because did you know that 2002 was the second hottest year on record at that point, exceeded only by 1998. So it was hotter than 76. Was ho- it the second hottest year on record at that point? Yeah. So we've had hotter years since, right? Yes, that's right. So I guess this poem is part of the growing sense that we need to be in touch with nature in a different, have a different relationship towards nature yes. than we've had in the past. It's very local, though, isn't it? It's not making any grand political stuff about global warming or anything like that. But it is, it is saying if we don't, if we, if we don't become better custodians of nature, it's going to become a problem. She says, Alice Oswald, about her poetry because they, they, someone does confront her about this and say, "Oh, you, you're, you're not really political, an environmental poet." Yeah, in that sense, she says. But then she says, "I like to think my work is political on." some level 
rather than making a plea for the planet. The job of poetry is to change the aesthetic rather than to challenge the system. Mm. Which okay. is quite interesting to say, isn't it? That's very good. I had some poetry things. Oh, go on then. Well, Ted Hughes's selected poems were published in oh, 2002. You're not going on about Ted Hughes again. So I thought you would have uh, noted that, oh, uh, which was uh, it was quite a big deal in the. I I remember it being published. It was like a, it was quite a big event. Iris Thomas's last book of poetry was published in 2002 oh, posthumously. I'm sorry, is this a project where you mention Iris Thomas in every podcast yeah, yeah, now? Yeah, it's, it's getting. Did there. he go to Greshams? He didn't go to Greshams. Oh, he was okay. Welsh, mate. Okay. Uh, there was also this weird story of, about Ghazi Al Ghasebi. Did you read this? No. Uh, he was the Saudi Arabia ambassador to Britain. Now, he published a poem in 2002 that praised a suicide bomber. Oh. Uh, who had killed himself and two Israelis after blowing himself up in a supermarket. So he wow. published that in 2002, and he was soon soon after recalled home. That well, so obviously, 2001 is 9-11. Yes. In 2002, we're talking about Afghanistan and we are. and gearing up for... For yeah. Iraq. Operation Enduring Freedom. So it's not surprising there's a lot of issues around bombers yeah. and what you might call freedom fighters. Aren't yeah. What books did you have this year? Well, we've got a couple of curiously specific crackers. Have we? Yes. We've got Fingersmith by Sarah yes, Waters. Yes, we have, yes. Who's Sarah Waters, who's, who sits at the high table of curiously she does, specific. She does. We doff our cap. Yeah. And Coraline by Neil Gaiman. Yes. He's not, is he at the high table? I, I'd seat him a little lower down. I think it would depend on which of us was doing the seating. Yeah. Also, you know, he might not accord to the dress code. No. That's <laughs> very much. I also had The Crimson Petal and the White, which came out in 2002, but I've got a feeling we mentioned that when we did the last one. You see, you've got to go get this going. One thing we didn't mention, I'm sure, was we didn't mention Stories of Your Life and Others by Ted Chiang, which is a book of short stories. It's fantastic. Is it? Yeah. Really, okay, really good great. recommendation. Really great. If you want a good recommendation for great books to read, by the way, in 2002, the Bookloben World Library was uh, The Bookloben? Bookloben. Was it, <laughs> the book, was, it, was it written by Bill and Ben? <laughs> Bookloben World Library. It's actually written by Norwegians. <laughs> the Norwegian Not book Bill club, and Ben. <laughs> the Norwegian book club, or Bookloben, it in 2002, it was basically that 100 writers from 54 countries yeah. were asked to compile a list of 100 best books ever. And were they listed? Was there a number one? Well, they didn't know. They didn't rate them by oh, number one. Well, if there's no number one, we can't talk about but it. So uh, it's, it's basically what writers think are great books. Okay. Now, look, I, I Any actually, surprises on there? No. Well, the only thing for me is, I mean, I haven't read uh, a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a surprise is it yeah. they're all the classics I yeah. mean they're just all the the ones you think would be there will be there but actually the poetry stuff I found to be very interesting Paul Solan or, I mean he's from Romania originally but I think he writes in German he's in there Paul mm -hmm. Solan poems I, that made me think oh I might read that yeah um, and, and then the other German well, I, could, I did German for business studies. I think I could get by. As long as he mentions um, Sanders and uh, letters of complaint, uh, it should be fine. He tells you how to sign off a letter formally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, should be fine. I don't see what the problem is. Should we do deaths? Oh, or did we already on, do all these deaths last time? I think you did a lot of them. I'll tell you whether you're allowed to have them or not. Yeah, okay, okay. deaths we've already mentioned, okay? Yeah. This would be an interesting test. John Thor. Yes, we've mentioned John Thor. Barry Foster. No, we haven't mentioned Barry Foster. Van der Valk. Van, yeah, very good. Spike Milligan. We haven't mentioned Spike Milligan. Died in 2002. And my absolute banker, Pat Coombs. Pat Coombs. Do you know, sadly, 
We have mentioned <laughs> vacuums <laughs> before. Okay. I'm sorry to say. Oh, well. I'm very glad that you have missed one out. Yeah. Who I'd like to refer to, and I think is a poet, Stanley Unwin. Oh, yes. I have got here a record of a speech that he made as a party for his 65th birthday, mm-hmm. his retirement. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and colleagues, boys and girls. Firstly, most of all, of course, appreciating and thanking to the singers, fiddlers and blowers who have sung, fiddled and blown. They're joyful of song, fiddle, blow and musicality. Some notes climbing up, other notes falling down, and still more sliding glissando, deeply bass profundo, up to the tittly tootle of the highest ever reachy. <laughs> Entertailed for the whole company in several keys and stylistically variable with roots in the folk lordy lore and the medieval fundamold of expression in the classical. F- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What I want to start off with is the great joy of the philosophical fundamental insofar as the great talkers of people over this gathering here and the linguistic philosophy where through, uh, through the epiglotty and the special people and the killy seals the philolop in the watch there and the fall in their blood and the skin put round people's shoulders keep them warm in the winter because he loved his wife and kids he cuddly but the moral of it is the talkers which I want to underline most for you so gather it again now there's another ideological talkers what about the exploding hat and bomb your homage of the blowing the people of Smithereekers in the early morning. All gather up their levers and stuff in the pocket there and go home and say, oh, all the levers gone, there's nothing left for human coil. Oh, dear Molly. 
Where are you going? Flat owers. Whose owers? Ours. A paddock of sand mid-river, two hours either side of low water. Can I come over? All kinds of weather, when the wind spins you round in your fish-tin boat with its four-stroke engine. Who lives here? Who dies here? Only oysters and often the quarter-tone quavers of an oyster-catcher. Keep awake, keep listening. The tide comes in fast, and after a while it looks like you're standing on the water, still turning and shaking your oyster-bags. Already the sea-taste wets and sways the world. What now? Now back to the river. Feel this rain, the only lights, the lichen tinseling the trees, and when it's gone, flat owers is ours. We mouth our joy, oysters out of sight of sound, a million rippled life masks of the river. Very good. Well, you give me a boatyard by flat hours. Owers. We don't really know how to pronounce it, do we? You say O-W-E-R-S. O-W-E-R-S. I'm What's going over. I made a decision. Hmm? What's the name of the boat? Dolphin Boatyard. Dolphin Boatyard? Yeah. It's Dolphin Boatyard in the Galpton Creek. Galpton Creek, yeah. Which is on the. Um, it's on the Kingsweir side of the Dart, which is the port side as you're going out of harbour. Uh, um, thank you, Captain. <laughs> it's the left-hand side going downstream out there, out to sea. The other side to Dartmouth. And opposite us is Dittersham. That's a little village falling, tumbling down the hill on the other side. The Dart here is very wide because it's basically an estuary by this time. It's huge. So we're basically at the sea. It's really big. We've got seaweed at our feet. Yeah. We've got a dog fetching a ball out of the sea. Up and down the up and down the um, the launch ramp. Yeah, it's and, lovely. And I'm looking at a Gino yacht, about 26 footer, I would say. So as well as steam trains, you're quite into boats, 26 aren't you? On the side. What? As well as steam trains, you're you're into boats. Steam trains and boats. I'm very happy today. It's lovely. You, you, it's very you know peaceful. What, you know what was even happier is your squeeze, Agatha Christie just lived up there we haven't got time to go there unfortunately no but imagine if you you lived with Agatha Christie and then you had a little boat down here I don't think I want to and then you could go on the steam train on Sundays yeah I'd be perfectly happy (laughs) perfectly happy eating cake (laughs) well yes cake and cream (laughs) you're very happy you need a bigger boat you need a bigger boat yeah Something more buoyancy. But there's Torbay boat construction over there. Yeah. On the other side of the harbour. You've got the dolphins falling off. You've got the dolphin stuff here. I see there's a boat over there called the Oleander. The Oleander, yeah. She starts naming boats quite a lot at this point in the poem. I'm just I haven't checked back, but I'm wondering whether Oleander is in there. I can't even find the moment. But this is twenty years ago, so And there's another one here called Cadenza Rock. But she has Oceanides, a good Atlanta, mm. Proserpina, Minerva, Lizzie of Lymington, Doris of Ditsum, Nani Tal, Neride of Quar. There go six corn blue dinghies banging together Liberty Bell, Easily Led, Valentine, Lemore, White Rose, and Fanny. Westerly Corsair, Golden Cloud, Moonfire, Windweaver, Sun Shadow, Seawolf. 
Nope, can't see any of them. No. Not a single one. A troll, fluff, rank, bruckless, bootle, bum trink. Fisher 25, Tester, Pewter, Whistler, Smiler, Giselle, Seth, Seren, Pianola, Windfola, Nanook, Kalu, Sherifar. That's very good. So the boat builder speaks in the poem, doesn't he? Yeah. It's taken 20 years, every bit of spare cash. It started as a dream. I did some sketches. I had to build myself a shed to make it in. I'm just there's more boat names here. No, the Oleander is not there. Not there. Mind you, she does a lot of names, doesn't it? It's a bit. Mary like Fiddler, music maker, Island Life Fiesta. Yeah, Fiesta. Who names a boat Fiesta? Come on now. No, it's like we might as well call it Razzle. I feel like that's a, that listing thing is a little bit like when we were at Edward Thomas about how many times you wanted to name pubs and gravestone inscriptions when you want to just fill things out a bit. When She's you start listing... She doesn't care about word count, does she? <laughs> when you start listing... It's only 45 pages long, this book. She only needed three boat Do names. you think Faber phoned her up and said, we're at 42 pages, Alice, <laughs> we need 45. Give us a few more boat names. Because of the, the way the printing pages run, yeah. we need a few more pages. Yeah, I do, yeah. Okay. I'd even give her a no, note. She didn't just say increase the font size. As the editor, well, that would be good. Yeah. That's a good idea. But I would have said that bit with boat names. You just add a few more in there. Not a make, problem. But I just make them up. Down there. Just make them up. And make them up. Who's make going to check them. Well, twenty years from now, these two pillocks are going to show up. <laughs> so they know the boats aren't there. Sorry, the boats aren't there. Yeah. I think that the movement of water doesn't have to be just an uncertainty. It can be a sort of energy. And I think that's really what I love about the movement of water, uh, is that it stops you getting stuck. And from the point of view of poetry, that means it kind of, it gives you all the vitality of live performance rather than the printed page. In our usual way of ruining things we should discuss it's our superpower <laughs> we should our wives would agree <laughs> we should discuss whether alice oswald has conveyed an accurate sense of time and place uh, in the poem it's not very really timely is it i mean there's not a lot of time it's, it's presumably there was a deliberate effort by her to make it timeless which i think she does there's no mention of paddle borders which would seem to be the biggest change on the river. No a mention of Duke of Edinburgh Award people either. No. Of no. which there were thousands. There were thousands, yeah. I think there's quite good references to the salmon poaching and how it's changed and how it's become a... Actually, salmon fishing itself has become almost an illicit activity. That seems quite timely Yes, for 2002. But other than that, I don't think there's very many indicators of dates and times. Obviously, lots of location indicators. Well, yes, and not bad, I'd say. No, we, we, found, we found all the places, didn't we? I think so, as we went along. The only thing I would say is we didn't find the swimming pool, but I now found online that it does exist. And right. we, just were, we, didn't, we were too busy on the train. We were so, too busy on the train. I was slightly worried about finding the swimming pool because I thought you were going to make me swim in it. I would have done. And uh, I don't like swimming in rivers. Do you not? No. You're quite an avid cold swimmer well, in like the, the sea. sea. Why not rivers, in rivers? I don't like rocks and things under my feet. Do you not? No. I'd rather be in deep water. Mm, okay. So what mark are you giving it? For which rating? For yeah. curiously specificity. Which one would you like to do? I'll do the specificity. As I say, it's timeless. You don't want to mark her down for being timeless. 
Well, when you say timeless, of course, she's she's she, you go. She back. doesn't take dates seriously. She takes locations seriously. I think she's got a deep sense of deep time. Yeah, deep time. So mm. I'd probably give her a seven for the curiously specificity things. I can't really mark her down much further than that. I think. Yeah. The issue is that it's mainly made up of other voices, of yeah. human voices, and obviously without the. So it's about the people, and obviously the people aren't there. So for us, it's it's a tricky one because you think well, you it, can't check you can't well, check exactly. a, were you accurately were you accurately quoted. <laughs> we haven't got a full inventory of the boats. We haven't got a full inventory of the people concerned. How are we to know whether this is curious so specific or not? Okay, it's a so given that work. Given that she hasn't given you a reading guide, you're going to mark her down. Well, I feel there's an annotated version of this book that would oh, be helpful. Yeah, <laughs> we could help her with that. If you're listening. Yeah, uh, Alice Oswald. It could be. Give a, us a ring. An appendix. Yeah, do the curiously specific version of Dart. Yeah. Names, dates, locations. I don't think she'd be up for that. I wonder where she's got a notebook of all the names of the people she spoke to. Of course she has. That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be great. I'd be, I'd be quite interested in the notebook. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm yeah. being mean here because I loved it. You're not being mean. You're just being stupid. Silly. <laughs> I'm being silly because I, I think the... I, as I said, when we were at Dartmeet, you can't really beat this for reading it out in the places oh, that it's absolutely. inspired by. Absolutely. It was glorious. It really was. So, for curious, you gave her a seven. I think I'm going to give her an eight, actually, because everywhere we went to was pretty much bang on. And then for artistic impression, mm-hmm. I'm going straight ten. Oh, I yeah. You really loved, loved it. it. Yeah, yeah. And also, I think, as she says herself, when it came out, she felt there was a bit of negativity about it because within poetry circles because it was a bit too popular and it was a different sort of style of of, of poetry to what she had been sort of brought up with professionally and academically of the modernist obscure tradition all that kind of stuff and that this was all a bit too accessible what I admire very much about Alice Oswald is she ploughs her own furrow as a gardener she'd appreciate that metaphor she does and also I think that's a Homeric reference isn't it about plows and stuff like that is it it's not or is it virgil virgil's more into that isn't he okay i think she's a very original voice Mm -hmm. we should say again that she's the professor of poetry oxford university the first woman to ever hold that post and is putting on very interesting events and talks as a result and every new work she brings out she challenges herself to be different and probably a bit quite tricky I like all of that. That was good. That was a, yeah. for me. No, that was, that was that was very interesting. Mm. I mean, I um, I think I probably wouldn't go to ten. I'd probably go for a nine. Mm. There aren't enough. This is going to sound a bit odd. There aren't enough kind of transcendent moments in it for me. You know, where you read a couple of lines and you go, "That's going to stick with me forever." Which may be a problem with a long poem, I suppose. But yeah. you know, there aren't there aren't in a lot of those. It's more the kind of the overall feel of it. There's also a few sort of bits where. It gets a bit, yeah, a bit. I mean, this is getting a bit prosy, I suppose. Oh. You know, you know, a bit sort of uh, alternative Edward Thomas. You know, if you wrote it out as prose, yeah. you'd probably go, "That's prose." But you know, these are quibbles. It's a fantastic piece of work. Yeah, and I, piece I've, of work. I've read it. I don't know three or four times now, and I'll read it again. Yeah, and I, I haven't read any of her other stuff, so you know, I need to do that. So yeah, but my only quibble will be that you know the transcendence isn't sometimes as as, as there as it. 
was, oh, his was I some other poetry. I wonder whether Alice Oswald is, is seeking transcendence. I think quite. she might be rather against old traditional romantic ideas of what poetry is meant to do for you. Quite possibly true, but, you know, horses are courses. We like what we like. <laughs> You know, you know, I like some transcendence because I like a twenty-minute guitar solo. So, you know. Yeah. Well, the good news, listener, is there's going to be no prog on this podcast. <laughs> As for, I don't instead know. Instead of think last this is one. quite proggy. <laughs> this poem's quite proggy. It's a long poem. No, we're going to go into <laughs> eco-electronica, mate. That's where we're going. Yeah, yeah. It's Patty Smith. <laughs> Patty Smith does environmentalism. It's a very high scores. Very good book. Yeah. And so now we're going to leave you, listener, in the last location. We're going to take you to right out to the end of the rear. Chris Rear. <laughs> Don't do it again. The end of the, the, the rear. The river. In search of seals. Yeah. You you did bird impressions to the last podcast. I was very disappointed you did no seal impression at okay. all. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, we're never going to survive <laughs> unless we get a little crazy. over the river's vertebrae, out of its body into the wings of the sea, rounding the mewstone, the last bone of the dart, where the shag stands criticising the weather, and rolls of seals haul out and scrabble away, and the seal watcher on his wave ski shouts and waves and slowly paddles out of sight. This is terrific. There's a rib just coming out of the estuary. Could be a seal watcher. Yeah. And it's coming round towards the Mewstone. What a spot you found here, Tim. It's pretty cool, isn't it? It's the Brownstone Battery. Set of, I guess, Second World War buildings. Yeah. Including a massive gun emplacement on which we're now sitting. But the reason we're sitting here is because I think it's probably the one place where you can see to our right the estuary of the dart and to our left the mewstone the mewstone the last bone of the dart and that's where the seals hang out the last page we're not going to read it all because it's uh, I mean read the poem mm. don't know how to do all your work for you read the poem <laughs> the last page is absolutely brilliant about the seals gathering in the caves yes beneath where we're sitting right that's right yeah Amazing, right? There aren't that many locations in this part of the world where you can see grey seals just hanging around on a rock. Yeah. So the Mewstone is a place to go for that. I think I've seen on YouTube video of them lying around and making terrible noises. On the Mewstone? Or or was that another video? (laughs) Is that why it's called the Mewstone? The Mewstone, I believe mew is a sound of a gull or a a Uh, seabird, that seabirds mew. Given that you're growing sort of knowledge of, of birds. Bird, bird's song. Mew, mew, mew. I don't know what that was. Do that again. Mew, mew, mew. Okay. Is that getting, my gull impression? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. We, the, 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 poetry's bringing out the bird language in you, isn't it? <laughs> By the end of the third one of this series, you, you'll be fluent. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we should do, maybe we should do grief as the thing with feathers next. 
you just want to do portable. you just want to do bird related Explicit books bird related poetry <laughs> now what was exciting about walking down here from the brownstone car park oh yes well two things really one was the site of the day mark which right you see it straight from the I mean, you said it was like a Doctor Who fixture. It exactly, looks exactly really what weird. It was like yeah. it's a kind of um, what shapes like an inverted, narrow cone with the top chopped off. Yeah, sitting on kind of eight legs. It's like a shuttlecock with the feathers. Shuttlecock. Yes, a shuttlecock with the feathers exactly. cut off. It's a stretched shuttlecock built out of very, very robust brick and stone that was yeah. put up there in 1864 as a navigational aid. Well, it would see be it from the sea, but it's freakily big it's huge. and weird. Um, so that was one thing. But the other thing is that you saw was that uh, you can see all the way up to Dartmoor today. Oh, yes. So you can literally see the whole course of the dart from where we've been standing. You can see where you started and where you end. Which is not re- ever really the case with the uh, In Pursuit of Spring. I couldn't see Clapham from the... Uh, from the Quantox. Hill. Do you know what? Cobblestone Hill. Yeah, although he, he claims to have very good eyesight because <laughs> he, he claims to be able to see for miles. Yeah, but not quite. Not quite to 61 Shellgate Road. He was well known for having a good eye, but mm, not that good. Well, what a journey. Yeah, amazing journey. I highly recommend this one, listener, as a follow the dart. There is quite a lot of walking involved in this one. Well, unless you take the train. Well, no, if you're going to get up to the, near the source and then if you're oh, going to get yes. down here, you're going yeah. to need to walk. We've done some shortcuts and been in the car quite a lot, but you should do it, listener, should by do. walking the whole way. I wish I was on that yacht out there, Tim. Look at that. The sun's on the water. The yacht's gliding across the where the sun rays are falling. It's that classic thing where the clouds travel across the water creating a dark patch and then behind them the sun the sun glints over it. beautiful and it's they're chasing the yacht aren't they and it comes towards us on a wide sweep of sea that goes from grey on our right to a rather lovely turquoise out by the Mewstone and beyond the Mewstone two more yachts taking a lot of wind and flashing yeah, by. Yeah, they'll be making their way round from Sulcombe to here. Yeah. It was a motor launch just just stopped down in the water ahead of us. What are they up to, I wonder? Maybe they've seen a seal. Drugs. Drugs. We need to say thank you, yes, for all the lovely clips and music. That we well, we'll say our usual thank you for our bassy loop yes. theme tune. We will. Trebex yes. Lament. Yes, that's right. By the, the artist them. Living Music yep. on the Free Music Archive. Check it out. Thank you it's very much. Stuff up there. Now the other music. I warned you that we were going to go eco electronic yeah. and not when have I, any When of I rock. listened to your first draft of it, the electronic music was very loud. Yes. And Turn I it to, up. I had to text you going. This quote-unquote music you put on everywhere, it's a bit loud. <laughs> yeah. Well, that music yeah. is, of course, Aphex Twin. Of course. Or rather, it's user 1808-1971.
Is that when he was on born? SoundCloud. Is that when he was born, 1971? Yeah, he's a little kid, isn't he? Yeah. Compared to us, I mean. <laughs> well, no, he's five years younger than me. <laughs> You're a little kid compared yeah. to me. The uh, Anyway, user 1808-1971, Richard David James, on SoundCloud. Ooh. This is all the Aphex Twin sort of archive outtakes yeah. that he just dumped on SoundCloud. He said in an interview... I've got all this music, and I thought if I died, what the F would my kids do? What would my wife do? They'd get really stressed out, and they wouldn't know what to do with it all. So I just thought I'd give it away, and then they don't have to think about it. Yeah. Alternative yeah. view, they could have made some money out of it. Well, it, obviously, as we know, if you were the British Library, you stick some copyright on something you don't even own and don't let anybody download yeah. it, well, e- well, even indeed. if it's a rather obscure yeah. so Dorset no one ever accent. Hears it. Or so that, yeah, no one ever hears it. Yeah, they don't great. get the chance to hear it as a... Great as use a, of the internet. As, as a bed on an obscure podcast. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so thank you, Richard David James, yeah. who is a West Country boy, by the way. He's from Cornwall, isn't he? Yes. In 2002, when this poem was published, they, they were massive, Aphex Twin. They really were. So, so I thought it was an appropriate and timely piece thing to well, do. Do we say they for Aphex Twin? Or well, there's a say twin. he. Oh, yes. Well, Aphex Twin. They? Him? <laughs> us? That's very confusing. I'm I, going think to we call need him, I think we need a style guide. I think we just call it user 1808 1971. <laughs> Mr. Twin and his, in his uh, electronic grooves. Yeah. The other things that I use that I need to give a credit for are water flowing, water streams, sound effect, field recording. Yep which is on YouTube, the 3D binaural audio account, where you right. can get lots of lovely recordings of field stuff. Oh, nice. And the sound of swimming in a river I used from Kevin Luce. Hello, Kevin, of freesound.org. He's KevP888 on Freesound. Right. Again, another site, if you're looking for interesting sort of field recordings and sounds, it's a really good site. Yep. And all Excellent. you have to do is give a credit to these people, yep. and they will let you use it. It's fantastic. Yeah. And then we heard Patty Smith reading some form of poetry. Was that poetry? Brian Jones, <laughs> which is on at the Internet Archive, another great place to find stuff. Yeah. And then thank you to Alice Oswald herself for a reading of Falling Awake that was on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You can find it if you search for that. And also the Professor of Poetry podcasts are out there for Oxford they University. Are. They're very good. And they're worth having a look at. So if you search yeah. for that on your podcast platform of choice, you'll almost certainly find it. Mm. Lastly, thank you to Buckfast Abbey for... <laughs> for giving us some tonic. <laughs> for some lovely organ music that I put in there. Oh, is that from that Buckfast Abbey? That is actually the organ oh, of Buckfast I'm Abbey. I'm very glad. Yeah, that I put that in rather than more Aphex Twin. Yeah, okay. I was thinking about putting them together. I was thinking, could we could we get Aphex Twin on the Buckfast organ? I think Aphex Twin would be quite into that, wouldn't he? <laughs> wouldn't they? So. Wouldn't they? Yeah. It? Him? Yeah. User? Whatever. <laughs> anyway, that's all my thanks for what was a rather joyful edit for me. I really enjoyed that. No, it was all lovely. lovely. It was river it was, sounds. It was very vibey. Lots of atmosphere. Yes. Just just needed drugs. And then it would have been perfect. <laughs> well, we're changing the vibe completely next time. Yes. And um, we're doing a book of poems that are partly set in London. Partly set in Wales. Oh, yes. And partly set in Sussex. Wow. In which uh, a young boy encounters a range of strange creatures and adults, all of whom seem in some bizarre way out to confuse him. It's a hard-hitting, bleak (laughs) picture of liminal space, existential angst. Post-war shell shock. And post-war shell shock. Yeah. Obviously, I'm talking about When We Were Very Young by A.A. Milne. (laughs) 
So uh, join us for that in the next episode. Yes. And uh, don't forget, by the way, that all these lovely links about the media and the notes are available to you if you support us on Patreon. Quick plug there. Stick with us. See you next time.